I am your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team traveling forward through the film. Kevin is on the blue team traveling in reverse. How are you, Kevin? Excellent. Rejuvenated. Ready to ready to cast a pod. Ka- yeah, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> That's what I want to hear. This is that the the cosine wave of feelings of uh, of covering the movie Tenet. Sometimes sometimes we don't want to do it, and then other days we do. It's good to see good to see you back at a peak. Yeah, I have a good minute. Uh, not too much work on my part. <laughs> Straightforward. I have uh, I have got I've got a dialogue heavy minute. Uh, well, not not heavy, just lots of dialogue, lots of uh, awkward stares and silences and. I feel like that's been my minute for like the last couple episodes. Lots of uh, interesting, spiky dialogue. Yeah, you're in the um, the setup portion. Not a lot of action going on. I've been uh, going through some action <laughs> and having to Worth. explain heavy concepts of the minutia that is the time travel mechanics of Tenet. This is episode 56, by the way. So I'm 56 minutes into this movie. And you're right. I have not covered a lot of action. Yeah. it's The Opera um, House. That was the action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of your action was the, the airport scene and the very beginning. Um, I had the same, but then I also have the car chase scene, which you're not going to have. So I have kind of three really big set action set pieces. You only had the two. I mean, yeah. There's a slight one coming up for you, but I am, you're not going to get into the car chase. So that's the. I don't think I make it to the car chase. I had the the you know break into Priya's house, reverse bungee jumping. True, and the little kitchen fight scene. That was the best. That's actually the highlight. Yeah, of... that's actually just keeping you going to get you to this. <laughs> yeah, I ordered my hot sauce an hour ago. Yeah, that's the promise this film makes. That listen, this is an action movie, but we're gonna have to sit through some stuff. <laughs> Before we jump into it, did you have any uh, any extracurricular stuff you wanted to cover? I'm watching a new TV show that I don't think we've discussed yet. That I I feel like I oh. need to talk about. Uh, yeah, go go ahead. I I need a TV show. Uh, are you familiar with Yellow Jackets? I, I've been seeing ads and stuff. I guess there's a new season. Oh, man. I binged it uh, last week with the wife. I had no idea what the show... I didn't know the show existed. I didn't know what it was about. And uh, I feel like it's it's just messed me up as a person. Oh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's weird. It's, it's weird. Uh, it's about... Do you know what it's about? No idea. It's, it's like it's ladies? About... I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. It's, a girl's, it's a girl's high school soccer team that is like flying to nationals and their plane crash. It's in that this is in 1996. So there's lots of like nostalgic moments too. Right. Cause we're both nineties kids. Um, wait, wait, wait. Is this that um, Lord of the flies, all female reboot I heard about? Yeah. Yeah. You could describe it that way. 
Oh, okay. I remember this was described to me like 10 years ago and there was a big hubbub of like, you know, gender bending, you know, everybody's upset that they're, you know, rebooting something with females in it. Um, and I didn't even know it came out. <laughs> uh, it's, I didn't know there was that much criticism, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good show. I'll say it's good. And it's, it's messed with my mind. <laughs> and I don't yeah. like that. I, I'm a big fan of that concept of the desert island kind of, <laughs> or oh, just like the wilderness, yeah. or just like lost in the wilderness kind yeah. of plane crash. Um, yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand with that, like, with like a zombie movie kind of like you're outside of society and you have to um, fend for yourself kind of story. Yeah, I think there's lots of elements of that. It's interesting because there's lots of um, like you get a you get a, a lot of like where they're at now. So you can see them like in, in present date, but then mm -hmm. like all the scenes. But then there's lots and lots of flashbacks to them. You know, it's they're yeah. like in the Canadian wilderness, by the way. So it's not an island, right? It's, I, li I like that idea, though. Yeah. It's Canada. It doesn't need to be an island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have like, you know, a couple questions about, you know, I feel like maybe they could have gotten rescued sooner or something, but maybe <laughs> not. Uh, and they try to like address some of that too. So anyway, you should yeah. watch it. It's going to mess you up your see, mind. Did you ever watch bit. Alive, the true story of the guys who were trapped in the Andes, the soccer team? Uh, no, I've never seen it. I'm familiar with it, but I never watched it. I, I saw it at, at like too young of an age. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, it, is. it lives in my mind rent free. Like I just, it'll never <laughs> leave me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This might do the same. This is my alive <laughs> moment. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Yep. Uh, I am at minute marker 5521 to 5621. We are at that dinner scene where uh, there's a whole bunch of guests who we don't know who they are. Seder is at one end of the table, Kat's at the other, and Seder has threatened to cut off the protagonist's balls and shove them into a <laughs> cut in his throat. That really mm -hmm. happened. The threat, not not the actual thing. Yeah. Um, and then they, the protagonist escapes certain choking on ball death by mentioning the opera, the opera house. Yeah. And Seder, intrigued, wants to learn more about what the protagonist knows and says uh let's go sailing essentially and says be ready to do more than mess around and the protagonist this this brings us to 5521 protagonist responds 8 a.m uh and then the protagonist gets up he pushes his chair in starts to exit the dinner and then he this is where i need some script help here actually okay i'm, I'm, either, I'm in the script with you he either gives cat like a weird kiss or says something to her I'm not exactly sure what it is. I guess it's like a kiss, but look, it looks like an awkward kiss. Um, it just says, Cat, relieved, watches the protagonist leave. Okay, so That's we get no answers. Direction. Yeah, okay. Then it's like, and I say awkward kiss because it's like, they just put, he just puts his cheek up to her. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it looks weird. Just performative. But, like yeah, may yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Mm -hmm. All right. It's for the other people at the table. They don't actually have any affection for each other. <laughs> well, she, so that happens. And then she looks at Seder 
And Zader is doing his typical staring daggers right back at her. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, and then that brings us to 5538. And Kat, uh, we're going to change scenes here. Kat says, Max has missed too much school this year. So you hear that dialogue and then you actually yeah. cut to the new scene. So it's like one of those little editing tricks, right? Dialogue uh -huh. happening before the scene change. Uh, then you get the new scene. It's the next morning. We're back on the yacht. Uh, they're eating breakfast. The help is pouring coffee out of a French press. Uh, this is how I start my morning every day too on my yacht. Um, <laughs> with help pouring me, pouring me coffee and feeding me fresh fruit. Uh, Kat says, so Kat said, yeah, Max has missed too much school this year. I'm taking him back to England. The school won't be okay with him missing so much of the term. Sater just says, yes, they will. <laughs> uh, and mm -hmm. he kind of interrupts Kat and she says, can I finish? And as she sits down uh, and then Kat kind of lets loose a little here. She says, you have all the trappings of a king. We both know you're a grubby little man playing power games with a wife who doesn't love you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like sticking the dagger in first thing in the morning. Uh, Seder responds with, you seem spirited today. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, do I? He says, yes, you do. Uh, and then Seder signals to the help to have her breakfast tray opened up. So, you know, it's got like the cover on it. Yeah. The help removes the cover and uh, it's the drawing. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. uh, the drawing is, is on, is on the tray in front of her. She did not expect to see this. We're almost done with my minute. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Okay. So okay. again, my, my dueling items theory of this movie comes into play here. Um, so this is the one that was in the Freeport. Yes. And that they never recovered, but were kind of, they went in to discover, but like in the chaos that happened, they actually didn't really care about finding it. I don't think they ever had any intention of getting it. They just wanted to see what was in there. They wanted to get inside the Freeport to see what's in the Freeport. They had no intention of looking for that drawing. Neil assumed it was a, <clears throat> a turnstile and the protagonist expected to find inverted ammunition, arms or something. That's probably fair. Yeah. Yeah. Even though Neil seems surprised that there's a turnstile in there. Yeah. Did he? I don't know. He was more looking at the bullets like, oh, man, some nonsense is about to happen. <laughs> yeah, true. It's it's hard. To, it's hard to read Neil in the early part of the film. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. OK. Yeah. Like my my theory on the gold showing up in two different places in the timeline and the, the drawing showing up in two different places in the timeline. Yeah. Well, he so Seder uh, talks about maybe some of that. Uh, so. OK. The drawing is on the thing. Now, Kat, Kat stares at the drawing for the rest of the scene. She doesn't take her eyes off of it, even as Seder continues to talk. And he says, were you worried it had been destroyed? Rest assured, instinct told me to remove it from the vault. I've always had instincts about the future. That's how I've built this life you no longer value. <laughs> That's the end of my minute. Yeah. Um, so it's not instinct. He knew... Something happened. He went back in time. <laughs> he inverted he he or someone on his team inverted themselves, went back before the Freeport heist, uh, 
removed it. Ah. So, right, that's that's what happened. It gets confusing with these items. Yeah, um, I would say yes. That sounds about absolutely. Right. So, like, maybe even in that in that case, they couldn't even have removed it from the vault because maybe it wasn't even there. I don't know. This is all paradox, also paradoxical con- stuff. Did they take in the other drawing in with them? They would have. They had to take some piece of art with them. Yeah, right? yeah because that's where they had the 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 key, the like the locks, right? The, yeah. the picks, the picks for the locks was in the frame of the drawing they did bring in. And this is where it gets confusing because Crosby gives him the Goya, which he states is a fake. It's a fake. They bring it in as if it's real. They're posing as people who want to use the Freeport. That's their in to get in. They want to see what's in there, but also they know Seder has a second Goya in there. Fake Goya. The the sec- the- Where's yeah, the real one? That, so this is the thing, right? Aren't the people at the Freeport like, no, wait a second. We already have this Goya here. Yeah, how, does, <laughs> how, does, how, does, how does this guy Neil and protagonist also have the same Goya? Listen, if somebody wants to give me money, I'm not, right, <laughs> not going to tell. Oh, are you going to tell a millionaire? Oh, you know, we have one yeah. of those already. You know, you're not going to say that. You're going to go, yeah, yeah, give me your money and we'll go lock it up for you. These, these free ports are at the pinnacle of uh, capitalism. And they're not going <laughs> to say no to any customer. That's fair. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, but I also, I feel like you bring these two things in. There's a turnstile in play. It seems like there's the possibility that they would go through together. They're both inverted, but they don't appear or whatever. I, feel, I just feel like there's remnants of a script where these two items were inverted, you know? You know what I'm are saying? Su- no, I don't. But are you suggesting that the painting that Crosby gives the protagonist or the drawing and the drawing that Cat also has is the same one, just at a different time? Yeah. Same thing with the gold, the two big stacks of gold that have minor plot points within the movie. But then like in a movie where when you go back in time, you're kind of creating a duplicate of yourself within the same timeline, one inverted, one not inverted. I'm always saying it seems like at some point in the script, those items were also intended to be um, inverted agents in the script, but then it got messy and they decided to simplify it or omit it. Doesn't Crosby say this is one of two? Yeah. But that's that's not exactly giving away a whole lot. Yeah, I, like, but maybe Crosby knows that in order to get this, he, like, this thing has to be reinverted so it can continue the timeline of the purpose of Tenet. It has to be given to the protagonist so it gets back into the Freeport so it does get uh, put into the turnstile. It's it's on a trajectory to go back into a turnstile at some point. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I do, and and the gold. You're not referring to the gold on the plane, are you? The gold on the plane is in some capacity um, the gold that will eventually be put, buried, inverted and buried for Seder to then dig up. Those bars look very different, though. Yeah, gold can look different. I mean, no, it could be melted and formed yeah. different, but yeah. is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I think I might be buying into the drawing theory. I'm I'm a little less yeah, it works bought into the, the draw theory. Yeah. yeah. But also I feel like it was part of the script. And then at some point, um, somebody got to Nolan and said, listen, time travel doesn't make sense. You gotta, we gotta <laughs> clean up some of this. And then they just erased enough of it so that there are clues that I'm picking up on that don't come to fruition at the end of the film. Um, they just erased like half of it, you know, is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, you know what? That, I'll tell you what. That's I all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's definitive. I'll buy into the drawing theory. <laughs> I'm not buying into the gold theory. Because uh, there's just, there's also just so much more gold in the world, right? So yeah, that's, like, there's, that's true. There's only one of this drawing. Supposedly. Right. There's probably only one fake Goya of this type out there. Uh, there just has, happens to be two instances of it because of inversion. In, yeah, inversion shenanigans, time travel shenanigans. Right. Uh, I also do love the idea that we do see two people pocket the gold at different points. <laughs> right. There's, no, somebody is, on, yeah. there's somebody on the tarmac who steals a brick of gold, and there's somebody uh, on Seder's yacht that steals the brick of gold, which is just like that would also set up that these two other bricks are on their complete other trajectory to come back to, to each other at some point. I mean, <laughs> and just, that could be a whole movie into itself. <laughs> I, I mean, it just speaks to the power of gold, right? If you see yeah. a brick of gold, you take it. <laughs> it's like the, uh, it's like the, uh, the sports almanac in the back oh, to the yeah. future series. Like yeah. it just has its own little journey through the time. <laughs> that's, that's worth more than a brick of gold. Although, what year did they travel to in that? I think we're already there. <laughs> we're past it. We passed, oh. we passed it. My kids are actually watching it. That movie is timeless. <laughs> uh, I We never got our hoverboards or flying cars. We got hoverboards that were BS. Like... They don't hover. They don't hover. So they're far from hoverboards, if you ask me. Uh... They're not even a decent mode of transportation. <laughs> <laughs> No, we got we got the little electric bird. Uh, what are those scooters? Oh, yeah. Have you? Do you have those in your city? The they're, little... they're, yeah, they're littered all over everywhere. <laughs> they're garbage. Uh, they're good after a night of drinking. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've seen so many like accidents with not those, but with people on e-bikes. As somebody who bikes to work constantly. On a, on a manual bike that I pedal myself, these idiots that buy these uh, bicycles can't decide if they're on a motorcycle or a bicycle, and they get into so many freaking accidents because they don't yeah. obey the rules of pedestrian travel on a bicycle or the rules of cars. And is a... <laughs> I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but are, <laughs> if they're in the road, they're supposed to follow the rules of, of normal traffic, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad they want to. Yeah. But But then they try and take advantage of like pedestrian crossways and yeah. yeah. It's also like with a learning curve on a bicycle, there's more forgiveness, like where you have to learn, you know, to move around cars. When you're on a motorbike, you kind of have this in this immunity or invincibility factor that you just don't fully understand. (laughs) I think you need to be more defensive because there's nothing protecting you. Yeah. (laughs) 
that you, uh, it, yeah, there's a discipline that you learn on a bike slowly over time when yeah. you're moving through the city on a bike that you don't learn on a electric bicycle that requires no physical exertion and no discipline <laughs> that gets I these mean, people into trouble. That's always, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, enough on well, that. Let's get out of this. <laughs> I'm we sorry. Are, let's get back to uh, the tenant shenanigans. So you're up. You're up. I'm, I'm up. Oh, my favorite line uh, just before my minute is let's go. That's what I've says. <laughs> I have a great start to my minute. We are in the turnstile. Technically, if you've been following along with the progression of the movie, um, this is the first time the protagonist goes through a turnstile. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? Because um, we've seen him inverted, but we haven't seen him go through a turnstile yet until now. This is right after the interrogation scene. Um, Cat's been shot. They decide what to do. Um, so uh, they had a discussion over what to do. It's go through the turnstile. Let's go through the other side. Let's invert ourselves. Um, and so we are following the protagonist who is backed against the wall. Uh, the machine clicks like an MRI as the door shuts and they move through the other side. Um, in the script, it makes a big deal about the order that they come out. It has to be first in, last out, um, because it's a big group. It's Ives, a medic, Cat on the gurney, and the protagonist, and I think another guy, maybe another uh, blue team member, are all stuffed into this big, again, it's the size of a car, so it's a big um, turnstile. Um, it makes a big deal that they... Uh, Neil was the uh, last in, so he's the first out. As the protagonist exits, he looks over through the glass where he sees the crew moving uh, backwards into the turnstile. And he locks eyes, or I'm sorry, backwards out of the turnstile from his perspective. Uh, the protagonist locks eyes with himself, which we'll cover in my next minute. It is important you look over to make sure you are, you're, you're, others the proving window if the other person is going into the turnstile or coming out of the turnstile that means you will make it through the turnstile uh this is interesting we have a completely new character named medic uh, <laughs> as <laughs> as the tracking shot it's almost a full he doesn't really do wonders too much but there's a kind of like following him through the turnstile is a bit of a wonder but it cuts um and then they start walking out um, and then, of course, it cuts to show the other side. Uh, and then this is kind of a long take where they're all walking. Uh, you don't see who's talking, but it says medic. Um, who says she's stabilizing slowly. I'll clean and close. The rest is time. Uh, and he's talking about Kat, obviously, right. that as soon as they go through the turnstile, she was just shot. So it was a traumatic uh, bleeding out situation and as soon as they invert it slowly starts to heal is what i guess he's trying to say um the protagonist says how long does she need the medic says four or five days a week to be sure uh, the protagonist then says to neil figure out how to get us to oslo i've got to go back out there and this ends the walking out phase uh, through the the blue side of the turnstile, they turn around. Um, and Neil says, to do what? Protagonist says, to stop Seder getting away with whatever it is I just gave him. Neil goes, you didn't. You lied about where it was. 
wait, you're going out there for her. Which is an interesting um, turn that he makes. Right. Um, uh, because it, it's, it's all of a sudden, wait, you don't care about the item now, you care about Cat. Yeah. Which he, ter- he he makes a pivot mid sentence almost where he starts saying like, "What do you care? You lied about where it was. Maybe he finds it. Maybe he doesn't. You know why not just leave that to chance?" And then he realizes, "No, you're going for her." Um, protagonist says he threatened to kill her in the past. If he does, what happens to her here? Neil, it's unknowable. If you're there to make a change. You're not here to observe its effect. Ooh, that's very, yeah, that's very physics. <laughs> yeah, it's all about observation, right? right? Which is a big component of the what's happened happened mantra of Neil is if it's not observed, it, it might as well not have happened. Right. But if it is observed, which kind of plays into the third act when he sees the tripwire being set up, you know, he's like, I've observed it. That means it's going to happen kind of thing. Right. I don't. It feels like a cop out to me. Right. It, it, because. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't need to be there to observe it. Someone else can stay back and observe. <laughs> it just needs to be observed. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, OK, why don't you keep an eye on Kat to make sure she's alive here? I'll go make sure she doesn't get shot in the past maybe it's also setting up like oh yeah neil's gonna get shot at the end and you can't go back and fix it (laughs) yeah Uh, okay (laughs) we get lost in this um but also doesn't matter here because we know how it turns out Um, and we already saw how it turned out in the course of the movie we don't know that that other car has a protagonist in it but we know what yeah, and we figured out where the device is and everything. Um, and the protagonist questions Neil. He says, what do you believe? And here we go. <laughs> Neil, what's happened? What's happens happened. We have to save her here and now. And if we go back out there, you might hand him exactly what he's after. Which he does. He does. Yeah. <laughs> he basically shows him where it is. Right. But that's already happened too. Right. Well, he says, and he says, I, I shot her for nothing. Yeah. Drop my pencil here. Never mind. Um, then we get to uh, an inter- just a interesting piece of the, we're very, we're here at the end here. The protagonist says, don't let them take her back through. Right. And it's quoting that like they don't they can't really trust Ives as Ives gonna all of a sudden decide to go the other way. Right. Reverse killer. Yeah. And just let her die and then take his team and go. Um in the script, Neil says, I won't. Um, which um I imagine he did say because his lips do move, but it's completely inaudible and it's taken oh, wow. out of uh the dialogue uh of the of the the scene. Yeah. He just kinda he, he he says it with his eyes. Like he there's a nod. And like everything Robert Batman says, it's whispered and like, <laughs> I mean, maybe it is said and it's inaudible, like the rest of the dialogue. In yeah, it's like, but this is I've like rewatched it a couple of times and like it's not 
anywhere in the sound mix. I don't hear any <laughs> audible thing coming from Neil's lips. Uh, um, and then uh, that goes into my next minute. The first uh, thing he, the first thing Ive says after this is, "You can't stay here," um, and that wraps up, come brings a full circle. All right, making so, progress, lots of progress here. Mm -hmm. You're going to be standing on top of a fire truck pretty soon. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that he has to dress as a fireman in this. It's like didn't we always discuss this? He kind of almost goes through the full village people. <laughs> it's a, oh yeah, yeah. He's a construction worker at one point, and then he's a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> he does he's it a all. He's, he's a kind of a policeman he's a SWAT officer in the beginning <laughs> that's right yeah he does yeah he's just never a native american <laughs> <laughs> or or a biker right <laughs> a biker with a handlebar mustache oh yeah yeah that's right yeah that would be the, that would be the, the that fifth. would be the that would be the full um uh, crew <laughs> All right. Well, on that, thank you all for listening to the Tenant Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, and review on whatever service you found us on. And rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of the film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends. <laughs>